independentleft.news Indie. Indie. What's up, Indie? Indie News Network. Indie. I get news from Independent Left. Independentleft.news. Independentleft.news. Indie Left Media. Independent Left News. Indie Left. Independent Left News. Independent Left Media. Indie Media. Indie Left. Indie. 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 Indie Left News. Indie Left. Hi, Indie. Indie Left News. Subscribe to Indie News Network. We're world building. Your, your way of assisting, I feel like, is really cool. Independentleft.news. Independentleft.news. He created INN. The founder of uh, Independent News Network. Indy is the founder of Indie News Network. Thank you, Independentleft.news. A huge thank you and shout out to Indy Left. Everyone, check out Indy Left News. Hey, Indy Left. Independentleft.news. Indy. Indy. Hi, Indy. Indy Left. Indy Left News. Indy News. Independent Media. Independentleft.news has done an amazing job. Well, hello everybody! Yay, we're back. No, we are we are back Ooh. for another Sunday night. Uh, it is it is. How do we miss that? Of course, and uh, we've had a heck of a week. Mm-hmm. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. Here we go. We uh, let's see. I was on Misty's radio show on Friday night or Thursday night. That was that was always fun. I'm I spent. What fifty five minutes hyping everybody else and barely and talking about INN and everybody else and that's basically what I'm up to is what I do is hype everyone else so it's kind of fitting and we fangirled out over Jesse and mm-hmm. Tara and some other people and yep uh, we've got oh we got Jam Mom we've got Rick we've got Angel INN member Angel Rivera go sub to his channel if you haven't already Angel's been putting up some hilarious videos he's been putting up some good fire videos on his own channel. Um, the handsome cynic. He's also over on Rumble. I think we're backing up to Rumble, and uh, he's been putting a couple of videos up on INN as well. Give him some love at Angel J Rivera zero eight on Twitter as well. Hook up our brother Angel. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's you know we had also put out some Jesse clips and what's Probably really going funny, Misty's huh? tomorrow. That's right, Reef is going on Misty's tomorrow. Probably going on Misty's tomorrow. 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock Eastern tomorrow night yep. on TNT radio dot live. It will be live and it'll also be next also, Wednesday. We yeah. have uh, Jose Vega. Vega. Um, That's right. Coming on INN. That's right. We got Vega coming out. That's right. Um, so this week, um, also, I got to dress up <laughs> as the cat in the hat in and go to my kid's school and read it's Dr. Seuss and. In honor of that, and in honor of it being Dr. Seuss's birthday week, it was apparently Thursday, we put out a few INN clips featuring Jesse reading Dr. Seuss, uh, Yertle the Turtle, as well as um, and, and a couple of bloopers, which actually have gotten tons more views than the actual stories themselves. So go and check out the Jesse, Ch- Jesse clips and the Jesse playlist over at, at INN on YouTube, and you'll be able to hear all those. But yeah, it's... It was yep. a lot of fun. And then uh, also I wanted to mention and give a shout out real quick. Gordon Dimack started a sub sack this week, partly I think because he saw some of the Indies tech tips videos and he saw the Misty had set one up and everything. But uh, he did a live stream on rumble that day where he was explaining why he was getting on Substack, And then he talked about Bill Gates after that. And he goes through this whole story. I'm, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but it was just, it was a wonderful explanation how do you talk to a family member that you think is completely gone to the dark side 
and bring them back and at least have a conversation. And in this case, it was that this woman thought that she had lost her father, you know, to the right wingers in, in UK because he was going off about Bill Gates and why Bill Gates is controlling medicine. And, and it was really interesting to hear Gordon. And of course, Gordon breaks it all down and talks about Epstein and WHO and all the funding to all the media companies and everything else, the infiltration that's been happening. And uh, so definitely go sub to, to Gordon Dimack, D-I-M-M-A-C-K. He's over on Rumble. He just started a Rumble channel, just started a sub stack. He's been over on YouTube, been over on, on Rockfin. I know he's big on TikTok too. So shout out to Gordon's doing great. I love that dude. He's just a sweetheart of a guy and he's a huge Assange supporter. And that's going to be one of the stories that we talk about tonight. And I know I'm dragging. So I know uh, Colin and Reef did a kick-ass stream this week for INN News. So definitely go check that out too over on IndieNews.network. Okay. So tonight we've got, so before we do that, let's do our little intro. How do we miss that is a live stream podcast featuring articles written by independent journalists who expose corruption, cover the growing labor movement. It's not even growing. It's cover the labor movement and challenge establishment narratives and talking points. We do that all the time. New episodes stream live like right now, Sunday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, Rockfin, Substack, Facebook, Telegram channels. Also simulcast and live stream to um, in, IndieLeft.News. So we're, we're self-hosting so that nobody can shut us down. And then the podcast usually published within a couple of days. Excuse me. Huh. Um, I'm Indy. I'm the co-host. I'm the founder and editor of Indie Left News and Indie Media Today Substack. We've got co-host sitting next to me, this guy, Reef Breland. He is also INN's technical director. He's the creator of INN News and Reefer After Dark. Um, he's also an engineer and a producer and a whole bunch of other stuff, too. So we're both co-founders of IndieNews.network, a collaborative family of independent content creators. 18, 19, 20 is how many is still in question right now, but we're going to we're going to work that all out. Um, all the stories that you're going to see today were included in, in IndieLeft.News between this Sunday and Friday this week. There's a fire hose of stuff over there, and this is just a couple of stories that we were able to pick up. Make sure, please, share the link, like the stream, subscribe to our channels. We're heavily suppressed everywhere. And we're over on Rockfin, rockfin.com slash IndLeftNews. We're over on rumble.com slash C slash IndependentLeftNews. It's all... It's all spelled out. And of course, we're over on the YouTubes mm -hmm. and we're over on all the indie news network channels. But I want to get to our main screen that's going to have our thumbnail in it. And I also added in the logos of who we're going to be talking, who, who's going to be covering that today. So we're going to talk about okay. Starbucks. Can I see those? No. Oh, that's right. I, I, I when we switched, okay. I turned up. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh, I just left the room. I left Reef sitting there. Bye. 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 Pop you out and bring you back. And there you are. And hello. Bye. Yeah. Okay, so you saw my desktop and Jesse. Jesse and me is the Blues Brothers. Yes, that's funny. Uh, okay, so uh, now, now sharing screen and not exiting out. Thank you very much. Go live. Now you can see my screen. He does this every week, everyone. Every uh, week. This is only show. episode 70. This is only 18 <laughs> months into this yeah, process. Okay. <laughs> so, 
Uh, and we're also vertical and we're recording this for clipping and we'll definitely clip that up. Anyway. Yes, yeah. we've got your narrative. Yeah, I got your narrative right here on a ring wall. They, amen, absolutely. And uh, uh, Oz, welcome. Ed Heller, Bacon, and uh, Volcano Party. I'm all about it. But we're going to talk about Starbucks getting busted by the NLRB. We're going to talk about worker strikes. And, you know, we love to talk about labor. And then the baby formula shortage, which we, amazingly we covered ages ago, still a thing. And but first we're going to kick off with with some Julian Assange talk. We haven't we haven't talked about Julian in a couple of weeks, and we try to throw keep that story alive as much as humanly possible all the time. Free Julian Assange. Oh boy, let's turn off the Rockfin chat. Hold on. There we go. Hey, now we can see all the logos. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, we're getting we're getting old. This is still season one at episode seventy. I don't know if I'm going to flip seasons at a hundred or just keep going like Joe Rogan. He's got. What is he, an episode like 1826 or something like that? Anyway. Uh, who knows? All right. Something so like the first one is an audio visual, and we haven't, just like we haven't done enough Assange stories lately, we certainly haven't covered enough Caitlin Johnstone. And part of it is because. I like how she has Legos in her bag. Well, of course she does. But her husband, Tim, has is incredible on their YouTube channel and reading all of her articles. So. I kind of feel bad bringing on an article of hers and reading it. It's like, it doesn't do them justice. So I kind of have, I, I love it. I share them and I include them in the updates and everything, but I just haven't covered one of her stories in a while. So obviously I think we, we all recognize what this, this photo is and this is, and she's going to explain in a minute. Um, and I'm going to play the YouTube video, but I first want to read the article and then, then listen to her tell it because it's, it's kind of heartbreaking in a way, but at the same time, it's it's important for us to to keep it alive. And she's talking about the disappearing of Julian Assange in my wallet, specifically this this picture. So she says in her wallet, she keeps a folded printout of an individual Julian Assange photo was taken on October 27th, 2021. I remember watching that um, on camera or on YouTube. Yep. It's blue, blurry, and velvety soft, a photo of the CCTV feed of the prisoner's dock at the moment he suffered a stroke. This is the last known image of Julian Assange. The disappearing of the image of Julian Assange has been slowly taking place since he entered in, into the Ecuadorian embassy 13 years ago. Internally, he was the most, the most surveilled person on the planet, but publicly, photos were rare. And then, for the last three years, he's been held in a maximum security prison where the taking of images is strictly forbidden. For me, the irony of the last known image of Julian Assange being of his brain mid-explosion is a powerful visual metaphor for how he himself, the idea of Julian Assange, WikiLeaks, journalism, a free press, and all he stands for is being surgically wiped from the public's consciousness in a deliberate inducement of global aphasia. This is censorship via amnesia. This is the psychological disappearing of Julian Assange. And this is why I carry this photo in my wallet, because I refuse to forget. That's, that's the video, and I, I have it queued up. Um, so let me just switch real quick and turn off. I'll, uh, let's go to the thumbnail for a second. Turn off the slideshow. 
click in here, escape out, go here. Bip. I'll click control tab to change tabs, by the way. Thank you. I think. Uh, You're welcome. All right, let's set it back. as a button on one Indy of my... Here we go. Hey, mouse, perfect. Mouses, okay. Mice, mice, mice. In my wallet, I keep a folded printout <laughs> yeah, of an image no, of them. Julian Assange. The photo was taken on October 27, no 2021. Mean, okay. It is blue, blurry, velvety soft, and go. it's a photo of the CCTV feed of the prisoner's dock at the moment he suffered a stroke. This is the last known image of Julian Assange. Is that Caitlin's actual voice? The disappearing yeah, of the often. image of Julian Assange has been slowly it. taking place since he entered the Ecuadorian embassy 13 years ago. Internally, he was one of the most surveilled people on the planet, but publicly, the photos Julian. Were and then, for the last three years, he has been held in a maximum security prison where the taking of images is strictly forbidden. For me, the irony of the last known image of Julian Assange being of his brain mid-explosion is a powerful visual metaphor for how he himself... The idea of Julian Assange, of WikiLeaks, of journalism, of the free press, of everything he stands for, is being surgically wiped from the public's consciousness in a deliberate inducement of global aphasia. This is censorship via amnesia. This is a psychological disappearing of Julian Assange. And this is why I carry this photo in my wallet. Because I refuse to forget. Oh. Yep. <clears throat> she gets me all good the stuff time. though. She is a good painter. She's she's a good everything. She's a good everything. And we need to hear that voice more, Caitlin. It's good shit. Oh yeah. It's good. She does. I saw her doing Daniel Ellsberg as well. Yeah. She uh um she wrote a poem called The Wizard. And we <clears throat> played it one night on Action for Assange and she just she breaks me like Please. listen that's that's also she reads the poem in uh in you know on on her youtube and it uh, it's really wow she's something i i love yep. that woman uh, indie media award honoree oh and yeah so indie media award honoree uh one of these days caitlin will actually get an address to mail your to mail your award to but she's on the website indiemediaawards.com you can check that out um here there's there's the little indie media awards thing. What was that? I don't know. Just the indie media awards sound effect? You didn't know? Oh. No, I did every every uh, what? Oh, <laughs> I get I get I guess now we have one of those. Or you could Yes, have we could some. go like you know, yay. Yes, have um, some. Uh, that's weird. I'm trying to make your BOX a little bigger, but it's not working. Anyway, so, hey, wait a minute. I got to go back to slideshow. Hey, now it's going to fit right. Okay. So, the other half of the Julian Assange story, now that I've stalled and trying to get gather myself again, uh, is interesting from Wyatt Reed, of all people. Um, Wyatt mm. posted an article on his Substack earlier in the week. CIA secretly hunting Assange activists. Bombshell report suggests, like, wait a minute, what? 
I, I thought we already kind of knew mm-hmm. this, but he's saying from late night break-ins and wiretaps to political persecutions, death threats, and conspicuous surveillance, almost nothing is off limits. We know in the push to neutralize Julian's support network. So what what new evidence do we have here? Well, activists, lawyers, and journalists we know linked to Julian were being subjected to extensive surveillance and intimidation. An explosive new report has detailed. Wait, there's a new report out? Yeah, there actually is. Individuals have been hacked, tracked, burglarized, threatened with death, thrown in jails for years on on dubious charges. And while the identity of the perpetrators has yet to be conclusively proven, victims say it's clear who's behind the campaign of harassment and spying the CIA. What a shock. In a recent interview with Der Spiegel, hacker and internet neutrality activist Andy Mueller-Magoon, who links the incidents to the CIA's classification of WikiLeaks as hostile in 2017, condemned the tactics as intimidation surveillance by U.S. intelligence agencies and their collaborators abroad, saying, quote, the point all these years has been to make it abundantly clear, we're out to get you. Yeah. I don't really think that this is there, much I'm of a I'm surprised you didn't say Der Spiegel without going like, Spiegel! Der, der like, Spiegel! You, know, you kind of have to. Der Spiegel? Yes. Spiegel. Kind of, kind of have to. Spiegel and Spiegel. Yes, Protect Misty at all costs by all mm-hmm. by and by all means, Rick. That's what we're here to do. All right. So mm-hmm. so this guy, Muller Muller McGoon, whose phone was reportedly physically tapped with a field programmable gate array carrying US made chips and which quote cannot be detected with a normal frequency locator, unquote, was just was just one of many apparent victims targeted by the CIA for their association with WikiLeaks, as Trump liked to call it. After the, mm-hmm. of course, groundbreaking website was labeled a hostile intelligence agency by then CIA director Mike Pompeo, who was running for president in 2024, in 2017, those in Assange's orbit reported the unnerving tactics were far behind. Yeah, we've heard this before. By declaring WikiLeaks not to be a journalistic outlet, but rather an enemy intelligence service, the CIA gave itself permission to take the gloves off. And a former senior counterintelligence official later told, of course, Yahoo News and Michael Isakoff, that, quote, there seem to be no boundaries anymore. Even his own lawyer, even Julian's own lawyer, Aitor Martinez, acknowledged that it is technically possible that it's simply a coincidence so many of Assange's cohorts began reporting being stalked and harassed by Americans at the same time. But yes, who could actually believe that? It's a vendetta against Julian Assange for his team. There's no question that Assange, the WikiLeaks organization, and everyone surrounding Julian are being systematically monitored and intimidated, whether supporters, journalists, lawyers, or family members. Martinez himself is reportedly no stranger to the unsavory activities of U.S. intel services. What do you mean? Having served as Julian's legal counsel for the better part of a decade, he also described a series of unsettling incident events which indicate that he's being monitored and harassed by CIA. What a shock. So shortly after Pompeo declared WikiLeaks a hostile intelligence agency, Martinez said that his wife was accosted by a stranger in the streets of the Paraguayan capital, uh, Montevideo, if I remember correctly, who grabbed her by the arm and whispered to her in English, watch your cell phone. Immediately afterwards, Mm. 230 screenshots of photos, private emails, and text messages suddenly appeared on her cell phone, apparently sent from Martinez's phone, which he said he hadn't touched. Mm. Well, then when we left in a hurry, a man with a plug in his ear followed us at the airport, waving a friendly goodbye, he added. Mm -hmm. 
Goodbye. Oh, bye. Have a night. Have a good time. Isn't that what? Isn't that what you? You're closer. Uh. Great time. Thank you. His harassers. Bye, have a great time. Yeah, his harassers didn't stop there. However, Martinez said that they've since been uh, broken into both his office and his apartment in Madrid. Notice how I'm going with the. Yep. Castilian accent there. Madrid, so, very good. Madrid. Yeah, dude. Uh, Madrid. So, he reportedly had surveillance footage showing three masked men enter his place of work in the dead of night in December 2017. According to the footage, the burglars spent six minutes searching for something they're apparently unable to find before stealing a leg of ham from the kitchen. Okay. Quote, I've handled many delicate cases in my life. I've been threatened, sometimes even by police, but I've never experienced this level of intimidation, he said. He said that the perpetrators appear to be acting at the direction of the CIA, uh, shows why it's so worrisome that Assange could be extradited to the U.S., of course, which repeatedly has insisted that Jay WikiLeaks founder receive, will receive a fair trial, and we all know that that's never going to happen. So this is the end of the Wyatt mm -hmm. Reid article, and I, I messaged Wyatt because... I happen to have a DM access to to him. And by the way, I think they're even open if you follow each other and you move to him. You know, I'm going to cover the story. I think it's important on, on Sunday night. Is there anything else that you can add? So he says, actually, yeah, I got the article. The Der Spiegel article was from a guy named Tariq Haddad. And Tariq, it was written in German, but he actually translated it into English. And here's the link. And there's actually a lot more there if you want to take a look. So I'm like, Fuck yeah, thank you. Um, so this was actually about two weeks earlier, uh, uh, about two weeks ago. And Tariq, it was by Von Jens Glusing and Jörg Schindler. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. But that, but that says, this says, uh, quote, at one point, a lawyer in London lost her laptop. At another, a journalist researching Assange's case had medical data stolen. The office of Assange's Spanish defense lawyers was broken into in a bizarre way. In Ecuador, a Swedish software developer, Ola Bini, had been held in country for nearly four years on flimsy grounds. Elsewhere, Assange supporters who preferred to remain anonymous reported similar spooky incidents. This is not a surprise to anyone who spooky followed... Spooky indeed. Spooky. This is not uh, uh, a surprise to anyone who closely follows the Julian Assange case. They routinely intimidate and mess with the supporters and the journalists and the people who are trying to accurately and honestly report on the persecution of what they're doing to this man. Uh, that they are connected cannot be proven, nor has it been possible to determine the authors beyond doubt in any case in, so far. It could be a matter of coincidences. He says, you know, Itor Martinez again quoted, you know, it's a vendetta focuses on not only on companions of family members, but also on lawyers and journalists who by law should be particularly protected from wiretapping. So yep. they go back and they're, they're telling a timeline of all the different times that they know that they had tapped him or illegally surveilled him. So at this point, he's living in the Ecuadorian embassy in, in London, where he fled in 2012 to avoid possible deportation. And guess who called him a high-tech terrorist? It's, it's, it's our creepy Uncle Joe. Yeah, Joe Biden. So that was in 2014. People who visit Assange so at the embassy. I, I did want to go, go back real quick to the leg of the leg of ham. The leg of lamb. Yeah, leg um, of ham. Like, come on. 
Yes. Do you know how much we're in Spain, correct? Oh yeah, a leg of ham is real right? expensive. That's like five hundred bucks at least. Yeah, Hamoni Berco is like, I mean, on Amazon, like thirteen hundred dollars for one leg. So, wow. and that's like, they definitely go more than that. You can get some pretty pricey Hamoni Berco. Patricia, um, welcome. How are you over on the Rock Fins? Hi, thanks for hanging out. Um, so what, what this is also saying is that people who visit Assange at the embassy, according to this new lawsuit, fall unsuspectingly before camera traps, copies of their passports, recordings of private encounters end up in the wrong hands. Among those affected are celebrities such as Yoko Ono, Pamela Anderson, Michael Moore, but, and I think we've heard this too, also journalists such as Snowden investigator Glenn Greenwald and employees of Spiegel, as well as quite a few lawyers. Freedom of the press, client confidentiality, apparently long, no longer count everywhere in the Pompeo era. And it's really interesting that because he has never been in the United States to break, and, you know, never been a United States citizen to break U.S. laws and hasn't been in the U.S. this entire time, that they are then, you know, they should at least apply all the U.S. laws across the board. And he should be offered freedom of the press protection, but somehow he's not. But they did mention Olabini, probably one of the most monitored people in Ecuador. And this, I believe, was written right before he was released from prison after four years. But three or four security services are on his heels, he says. Yet even without the constant surveillance, he would have had little chance of escaping. Every Friday, he has to report to the public prosecutor's office and is not allowed to leave the country. So the, the situation is destroying him psychologically. So this is Olabini's uh -huh. trial. Why is he not allowed to leave? And he won the trial. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He won in January mm -hmm. 2022. Finally present evidence. The fed-up judge asked the prosecution on the fourth day of the trial unsuccessfully. Finally, the trial was adjourned again and again until he was acquitted January 31st of this year. Completely unexpectedly. Happy ending, however. Still a long time coming since the public prosecutor's office immediately filed an appeal. So that's why he can't leave because he's under appeal. So he continues to be barred from leaving the country. The day after the verdict, he says his surveillance even increased with people who had been tailing him now openly carrying. So, yeah, openly carrying, openly carrying okay. in, in Ecuador. Um, one of the things, yep. and I asked why it's so. This is Olabini saying that he's being trailed okay. by open carry agents of some kind. Um. So I asked Wyatt, so like what what's like the, the new part of this? And he's like, well, it's it's that we knew that they were actually like tracking these guys at the embassy. But what's new is that we did right. not know that out in the field, in the wild, he said, quote, yeah, I mean, we've known they they took tons of info and recorded the conversations, but chasing them out into the wild is new. So. That's why I said that okay. there was some new information, and this is a good article written by by Wyatt, and I appreciate him doing so. He's he's a good art, good dude. At Wyatt Reed uh, thirteen, I believe is his handle on, yep. At W Y A T T Reed, just like you can see down there, thirteen is his handle. He's also got a sub like my name, but with a D, right? That's it's just like what Tara calls you all the time, or types you, missed yes you know, typos. Uh, his yeah. his substack is called End of Well, normally hers is like her last name, you right? know. 
right? It's the like, same thing, yeah. Not like, her last name, Reed the other Reed. Reed, yeah, yeah. exactly. So End of Empire is is why yeah. it's Substack. So give him a, give him a sub. And oh yeah, we got a merch store, independentleft.shop. There, that's where you can get all this stuff. Or there's no there's a new link called um, innmerch.com. Innmerch.com is going to have links to our merch store as well as uh, the Big Man Crab merch store and the INN merch store, all from one central hub. And we're going to be Shut able to link. Take my money. Yeah, I know. We're going to be able to link all the other merch stores for all the other members. Anyone who has them, we're going to be able to link to that hub as well. So that's the reason for innmerch.com. You see, I added um, for Indies Tech Tips, there's a little little uh, notebook. We got the flip-flops for how do we miss that with the bong father on it. We also got a tank top in there. We're going to have to get rid of the knit cap because we're getting out of, out of wintertime now. But, mm-hmm. all right. So Buy that was stuff. our first story. Buy yeah. it. Do it. They're trying to intimidate Just Assange supporters. They're trying to, 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 you know, erase him, as Caitlin says. <coughs> yeah. So. Free, free Julian Assange. Can I can I say that enough? Free Julian Assange, like now, and like yesterday, and journalism isn't a crime, and publishing isn't a crime, and he's absolutely a journalist, and nobody's ever died from anything that he published, but a lot of people died from the stuff that he uncovered and from the crimes that he uncovered. Yep. So, yes, all right, yes, sir. Uh, next story. Let's jump into it. Holy shit. Baby formula. Really? This is, we're still talking about baby formula. Yes. In these times, put out a great article about this. Okay. So this is, I don't know why I forgot to get the the title capped, but anyway, Amber Romero's son, Max has known nothing but a formula shortage. He was born February, 2022, same month that the largest formula plant in the U in the country closed down as well. To recall, we covered this last year. This has left Romero, a breast cancer survivor who had to rely on formula in an impossible situation. All right. Oh, here. You know what, Angel? That's a good idea. Let's put all the hashtags in there real quick. Boom. All right. So, her son's only food source is routinely missing, and although, and only through per- perseverance, a network of friends and strangers on the internet. Have they been able to piece together a steady supply as long as they have? Now, luckily, Max turns one this month, and he's going to now begin uh, going off a formula. So it'll be a somber reminder that the shortage has outlasted them and not the other way around. Quote, we never had any normalcy with this situation. I don't know what it's like to grab a few things at the grocery store and just pick up some formula. And that's disgraceful, heartbreaking, and angering as a parent myself. That's... One of the reasons that I told Reef, this is going to be a long story and you're going to get a little bored by this because I'm a parent and this matters to me. I had to go through this shit for my kids and yeah. this like angers the crap out of me. Well, we never had any normalcy with oh, yeah, this situation. People can't afford right? to feed their babies. Right. Romero's 41 years old. I mean, it's also old. the fact that we've made kids rely on formula. So, well, that's a whole other know, argument here. Nestle. Well, to a point, uh, Similac, also the Similac family, that's Abbott Labs now. But, the ongoing yep. formula shortage, which peaked in May and June last year, has largely fallen out of public awareness. In-stock numbers have improved. The country appears to have moved on to the next crisis, though a scarcity of eggs, parents noted, of course, is not as panic-inducing as the shortage of the one food many babies eat. Yet, 
Families in many parts of the country still report bare store shelves and limited options, particularly in rural communities with fewer retailers. Not really a surprise. Big box stores, including CVS and Target, continue to limit how much formula you can buy at one time. And starting next month, low-income families who rely on federal assistance to pay for formula will have even fewer options as waivers enacted during the height of the crisis begin to expire. That actually happened on, on March 1st. And then they're gotcha. showing empty shelves of Similac formula in Target, of course. So by now, the shortage has been going on for so why you long. Gotta, why you got to slide? Oh, because they're like, I, I feel you. It's just those weird packaging. It's just like stock on the front photo. of things. Yep. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, that's not weird awkward. packaging. That's, that's. Yeah, it's like, I know. It's like a move this and then get your stuff. Like, it's not even just move this. You literally you know, probably have to get a manager. I think that's for like security purposes. So that oh yeah, I see. So that can't, people can't steal food right, for their it's, children. It's Got not it. wide enough. Oh, it's gross. It's Target. So by now <laughs> the shortage has been going on Great. for so long. And Target's like one of the most expensive places to buy formula. By the way, although the powdered stuff, I think I used to get there pretty often. Right. Um. By now, the shortage has been going on so long. All types of formula are missing from stores, not just the sensitive brands that were initially which is what my kid took, and are still in short supply. Romero Sun drinks Enfamil NeuroPro, which is a brand that wasn't even manufactured at the, at the Abbott Nutrition plant that shut down last year. Enfamil is a brand of Wreck-It. I can't believe I'm going to wreck it like Wreck-It Ralph, which, of course, was the second largest mm -hmm. formula producer in the United States until recently, when it took over more than 50% of the market share from Abbott after desperate parents switched their kids over. Holy crap. In the past year, Romero turned to friends at her home of Des Moines, Iowa, for help on social media, posting to Facebook when she was low, and asking others to look out for her son's brand. I mean, Facebook groups, literally saving babies' lives. I'm not kidding. The added pressure she feels as a first-time parent navigating the sea of unknowns that's already come with a new baby has felt suffocating at times. I can't even imagine. In pandemic times, Having to deal and navigate with putting a mask on an infant, like when and how, like, oh, it's heartbreaking. And I th I know there aren't that many times now, but like you take them to a doctor's office, they still make you put a mask on a kid. So as soon as I start to mm -hmm. see our formula stash go down, it's almost like panic for me. Yeah. My husband sometimes thinks I'm overreacting. I don't know if it's a motherly instinct type thing pulling through, but it's stressful. I believe that. So a formula shortage like this was poised. To happen at any moment if just one component of the supply chain broke down and because of heavy regulation only three companies abbott reckitt and gerber controlled almost the entire formula market in the u.s at the start of the shortage between them they operate just nine factories and the one that shut down was the largest and on top of that as much as 65 percent of all formulas purchased by families on food stamps wyc supplemental program for low-income women yep. and children all right. Um, state contracts Which, limit the types of formula that they can even buy. So when shortages begin, shelves emptied quickly. What a shock. Right. It's one of those things where you don't really know how messed up the system is until the system breaks completely. Great. I love hearing that. Right. It's one of those things. Again, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know why that's there twice. That's Alyssa Scheimer, who is the president for government relations at Moms Rising. Right. So they've worked with President Joe Biden's administration on solutions to the formula Joseph. crisis. Joseph or Robin Biden. Where am I? I don't know. 
<laughs> the same communities that struggle with access to food are seeing those issues again with the formula shortage. And there hasn't been a clear answer from the Biden administration or um, the private companies as to why those distribution challenges have lingered for a year. Low-income families. That's the only way oh you God. can find room to pay for it. You creepy bastard. Uh, Low-income families and parents of color are more <laughs> likely to be on, on food stamps, WIC, and purchase formula, while also being overrepresented in jobs that don't allow them the flexibility to pump, to pump or breastfeed. Parents of color are also less likely to live near hospitals that offer breastfeeding support. By the time babies are six months old, yep. when they generally start consuming food as well as milk, only about 19% of black women and 24% of Latinas are still exclusively breastfeeding compared with 27% of white women, according to a 2019 CDC estimate. Well, I, I got a big question about CDC estimates. And, you know, we've learned a lot about the CDC and how it's basically controlled by a cartel. And I would not be saying we know that the pharmaceutical companies, including Abbott and Reckitt and Gerber, would all be involved in funding that, too. And we'll pause for a reef bong break right there. But uh, the formula crisis. Why would we pause? I don't know. The formula crisis is a microcosm. The broader systemic cha challenges that are facing low-income families assessing, accessing basic necessities. And not, not just access, but real access to basic necessities. And that's Jamila Taylor. And she's president and CEO of National WIC Organization which is a nonprofit that works with state and local WIC agencies. And she said their partners on the ground have also found that higher income people from other communities have gone into neighborhoods with higher need and purchased formula there. Isn't that nice? So, you know, the middle yep. class and wealthy area, they ran out of formula. So let's, let, let's go down, let's go down to the ghetto. They probably got formula down there. That's literally what they're saying. That's gross. That's fucked up. Yep. Those that have, have contributed to the shortage among the other families that need it. Okay. There are still some real challenges on the ground. And to be quite honest, the White House, they weren't as responsive as they should have been initially when it came to this issue. So we're kind of still trying to play catch up. This is what we're dealing with. Shells that look like this. Yep. I can't even imagine as a parent, I'm going out to Target to pick up some formula. This orange Similac, that's what my kid, that's what one of my kids used to used to use. The other one used to have a special one that Where's, I had to. What? I was gonna put that on the soundboard. Like, what was it? The food is poison. Oh my god! Oh, that was the so food fun. is poison. Oh, yeah. Like this we... is this is part of like. I mean, we've covered this about a thousand ways. My river of melted butter. Like river of melted butter. They've been a river of melted butter. Um. <laughs> They <laughs> like it's it's food shortages everywhere uh, on practically every everything. Like, and and what isn't there is poison. It's all got lead in it and like oh, heavy metals. Poison. Yep. We are. We are. And not poisoned. the good heavy metals. No, definitely not. There's also um. There's just um, <laughs> ever chemicals and. Forever chemicals, right? That's PFAS. Forever chemicals in in, yeah. in water microplastics. Yep. Yeah, we're we're doing great. Yeah. This is fine. We're According doing to the data from Nielsen, from of course, we know Nielsen, our friends over at Nielsen, and on average, about thirteen percent of formula stock has been missing from store shelves over the past eight weeks. 
The worst of the shortage in late May, about 24% of stock was missing. The shortage is worse than southern states, including Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia, as well as Colorado, California. Where where f- hmm? People are making more babies. Maybe, but but mm. also Colorado and California, lots of free weed out there. Lots of free, not yeah. weed, but legal weed out there. Where 15 to 20% of formula yeah. was out of stock over the past two months. 20% of formula out of stock. Welcome to America, folks. Yep. Land, land of the abundance. Nationwide, about 16% of families reported difficulty obtaining formula during the first week of January, according to the Census Bureau. Marginalized communities struggle the most. 30% of, sorry, Angel, Latinx families, thank you in these times, and 19% of black families reported difficulty. Latinx. Latinx. Compared with 12% of white families, yep. about 8% of families said they had less than a week of formula on hand. We never really kept more than two weeks of formula. It even goes bad. Plus, you never know when the kids are going to not need it. So you don't want to keep more, more than a month, usually. Half of all families said that they switched awesome. switched formula brands. And 35% received formula online or from family and friends, while some turned to more drastic options, including watering formula down, which is 5%, or making their own... Oy, oy, oy. Okay, I I guess like if you're gonna, like, I mean, I mean, what powdered milk and like I I I don't know. I think they're talking about like making your own baby food, maybe like you know mashed peas and whatever. But yeah, I don't know. Sure, Nanners. So, so Andrea Ippolito, who's founder of, the, of Simply Fed, which is a oh, virtual breast virtual breastfeeding and baby feeding support platform. How interesting! They can make a fucking buck out of anything. Mm said that a year later, the frustration among her clients clients is that no systemic changes have been put into place. What a surprise. These are our more vulnerable humans, and we put Band-Aids on huge gaping holes in the system. We have too few players that have too much control of the market. Well, Monopoly, go figure. The federal government is still trying to piece together exactly what went wrong. Well, we know what went wrong. Just ask Judd Lagoon. Department of Justice last month opened a criminal investigation into the Abbott, yeah, Bean Boy, into the Abbott facility in Michigan that shut down on February 17, 2022. They had letters going back to October or November warning them of what was happening in that plant then, and they ignored it. Initially, the FDA launched an investigation into Abbott after four infants became sick with bacterial infections. Abbott said further investigations found, quote, no definitive link between its formula and the baby's illnesses. Of course it didn't. We investigated ourselves and we found that we're just fine. Mm -hmm. All right. This is another one where they're limiting the baby formula to four per guest. And hey, how about that? A whistleblower complaint alerted the FDA to potential safety concerns at the Michigan plant in October, 2021. I just said, it feels like I just said that but it didn't reach the highest officials at the yep. FDA until February 22, thanks to red tape, a breakdown in communication that contributed to the botched response to the crisis. Last month, the head FDA official overseeing the formula shortage, Frank Giannis, resigned as a result. The FDA is now beginning a significant overhaul of its entire food safety division with plans to put one person in charge of overseeing food safety and policy. God, what could possibly go wrong there? A food and safety czar. Let's see. Are yep. they going to have possibly worked for one of these pharmaceutical slash formula slash Monsanto companies before? My guess is 
probably. The FDA said in a statement that ensuring the availability of safe infant formula is, quote, one of the most, of the most utmost importance to the agency. Of course it is. And adding that it has made significant progress in the last year in its efforts to ensure nutritious, safe infant formulas, including specialty metabolic formulas. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, what they're talking about is alimentum. Uh, that's what my kid actually had to use uh, because she had some kind of thing about okay. um, uh, a lactose. Uh, so they're on store shelves for those gotcha. who rely on these products. Um, so as the federal response is ongoing, it will likely be some time before the situation stabilizes for consumers. And that, again, just angers the shit out of me. I don't think that enough people know that this is still going on and need to and need to keep the pressure on and need to keep talking about this. And we'll need to know what's going on. So in December, Robert Cleveland, who is record senior VP of North America and Europe Nutrition, that he expects the shortage to persist to some degree until at least the spring, which means that into the fall. <laughs> in the meantime, tariffs on international formula have been reinstated after Congress's Formula Act expired at the end of 2022, I saw somebody actually mentioned foreign formula. All right. Um, that means it'll be cost more costly for stores to stock these formulas. Um, Baba Yaga, I, I agree with you, except that my kids use this stuff, and you think it should be more expensive for everyone to have it, except my wife can't, couldn't pump and couldn't produce, and you got to feed your kids something. So what are you going to do? I, I don't know what the answer is, but... It's all happening as the waivers created for families on food stamps started to phase out in the coming months, leaving no safety net. So as of March 1st, food stamp participants will once again be limited on which brand of formula they can purchase using the program. States have a contract with a singular manufacturer, either Abbott, Reckitt, or Gerber, which have all held, which have held all WIC contracts for three decades. That's not a monopoly or anything. At the start of the shortage, a rule was relaxed to allow WIC families to purchase whatever formula they could find, but soon they'll be restricted to the formula their state contracts with again. And if there's a shortage on May 1st, they're no longer to be able to, to use WIC to buy larger or varied container sizes of formula, eliminating flexibility also designed to increase availability for, for, for families. Formula comes in either powder or liquid form in multiple sizes. And then by July 1st, all these flexibilities that allowed families to purchase imported specialty formulas with WIC will also expire. Advocates, of course, want to see all these changes made permanent. They can't be temporary changes because we can't go through this again. We saw it blow up for families and be such a challenging issue, not to mention the mental health impact that it has on moms. Like, it's it's yep. brutal, right? So this is... Not not too far from me because I'm in New Jersey. So Kathleen Nagy, who's a mother of an 18-month-old and a four-month-old, has now been through the formula shortage with both of her kids. Her older, her older daughter was still on formula, a specific Enfamil brand for children with dairy allergies called Nutramegan when the shortage began. But Nagy couldn't find Nutramegan at the start of 22, driving to seven, eight, or nine different stores to try to find it. Even though she had WIC and even though her state contracted with Enfamil already, she said her local WIC office couldn't ship her the formula after March 2022. They couldn't find it either. So when her son was born in September, they were okay until about November when she started noticing that his formula, a sensitive type called Enfamil Gentilese, which I also gave my kids for a little bit, 
was also missing from stores. Mm -hmm. They began buying larger boxes of powder formula at $50 each, which was the only thing left. It lasts them about at most about two weeks. She says she can't keep doing that, and it's super stressful. So some changes to the program could help parents in the case of another shortage. Allowing families to use WIC to purchase items online can help mitigate the added transportation and regional issues with shortage for families who are already low income. Um, So allowing them to use their WIC benefits in another state. That's another thing that, that, that could potentially help. So she's got people begging. Where can you find this in West Virginia? Where Brianna Dietrich runs a Facebook group for parents searching for formula. That's a constant issue. Well, gross. The families in rural area that she she helps live uh, live near the border with Ohio, and on her Facebook page, which is nearly doubled in size since May, it's often the case that families in more than one state in in one state have the formula families looking for in another, but parents may not have the funds to travel to get it or to pay for formula without using the, the food stamp cards. So, yeah, again, she's got people begging, where can you find this? Her youngest daughter was on the formula when the shortage began. Okay. When she said the impact on her family was profound. When her eldest daughter was recently out on the town for a cheerleading competition, she sent her a picture of the formula aisle at a grocery store and her older son reflexively walked down the formula aisle where he stopped at a Kroger, sent the photo to his mom. In both photos, the shelves were largely empty. The fact that my children are teenagers see it because they've been there with the baby, the mental side of this, I'm still not okay. Like, it's it's taxing families. There's right. a few potential solutions in the works. FDA announced last month that it's creating a pathway, quote-unquote, for international formula providers brought in during the shortage to continue marketing their products while simultaneously working toward FDA accreditation to stay in the U.S. market. Eleven companies have expressed interest in doing so. I'm sure they're all multi-billion dollar conglomerate multinationals. Um, The agency is using a pandemic data analysis tool to help track in-stock rates of formula and anticipate shortages. We talked about that before. That's that's coming from Nielsen, Nielsen IQ. It's also helping uh, establishing a new office of critical foods to manage oversight of medical foods and formula that people rely on as their single source of nutrition. I think that's a great idea. In California, now this is a bad idea. A bill's been introduced that would create a formula stockpile for the state, similar to supply buildups for medication. Abbott also really recently announced plans to open a second U.S. plant in Ohio, but commercial production of formula isn't slated until 2027. You got another four years before that thing becomes operational. Right. So this lawyer said that in working with the administration, it's clear that some of the issues are down to the private companies. Quote, the administration can't get into a truck and distribute formula from a private manufacturer. So some of the concerns are hyper-localized, but federal government does have the ability to make the per- to make permanent the regulations that changed in the last year. The moment to act is now. Um, yeah. While that crisis is still really fresh in the minds of a lot of people, now this I thought was so fucked up in Lib in Libby. All right, it's basically saying never never use a crisis, you know, never miss an oper- a crisis to take an opportunity to to scare the shit out of people, and that's basically what she's saying here. 
is that yep. there's far more that probably could be done in this area to make sure that nothing happens in the future. We're not totally out of the woods. It should never be that one factory goes down and the entire country is thrown into a tailspin. I totally agree. So what comes next won't soon erase the pain of the past year. Um, Ms. Romero said that she felt misled by formula companies and the federal government when they gave assurances at the height of the shortage in the spring that the situation would stabilize in a few months. And it's a year later and it still hasn't. It's gotten better, but not in certain areas and not for certain people, and especially not for lower income. But that help never came in time for her and her son. Kind of like, what? what is it now? Uh, what's causing the holdup now? We as a country say that we want to put our kids in first, and we don't. We failed as mothers and kids so much. Yeah. I think we're done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I think we're done with this one. Baby formula. Jeez. The last two, the, the, the other two stories are a whole lot better. Um, so to answer your question, uh, on the restream Ooh. chat stuff, yeah, it, it does fling it from INN over to Indie Left News. I think that's how it's going and vice versa. So that you guys could see each other on all the different channels and plus, Facebook and yeah. Plus to the different Twitch platforms and... too, Tw Facebook, Twitch as well. I think, I think just those three are, are linked together. And then I also have the ability to put, you know, a, yeah. a single chat up there, up here like this. You can't stockpile that stuff, right? Like I said, it doesn't have a long enough shelf life. Exactly it. Um, Bobby Yager uh, has ideas about how you can do that. You know, um, how you can make your own mm -hmm. formula. Only yeah, Anna, if it's better than nothing, I'm betting. No, I'm so. sure it is, and I'm sure there are definitely ways to make it. Um, yeah. So let's check out. What happened with Starbucks this week? I know Savvy covered this, but not very many people did because not very many people talk about what happens with the NLRB. But there was a historic mm -hmm. labor ruling which slams, quote, egregious and widespread misconduct by Starbucks. Another indie media award honoree, Common Dreams, good outlet. Once in a while, little to the Democratic hopeful side, little to the optimism side that we're a little doomery, but I still think they do great work. Jessica Corbett's one of the best member of the all-star team. So this is, there we go. There's our Indie Media Awards sound, sound effect. <laughs> so yep. building on a series of blows to Starbucks on Wednesday, the federal administrative law judge, a federal administrative law judge, found the coffee giant committed, quote, hundreds of unfair labor practices at stores and in, in and near Buffalo, New York, the origin of the national unionization wave. The wave. In a lengthy ruling, the NLRB judge, Michael A. Rosas, called out the Seattle-based company, like we said, for egregious and widespread misconduct, demonstrating a general disregard for the employee's fundamental rights. That's pretty strong language. The judge ordered Starbucks to cease a long list of anti-union activities, rehire illegally fired employees, reimburse those impacted by unlawful conduct, rescind disciplinary disciplinary actions, and reopen closed stores. How they order them to do that, I don't know. But according to Rebecca Givan, an, an associate professor of labor studies at Rutgers, told the WAPO that, quote, to order a company to reopen stores that it closed should be embarrassing for Starbucks. Well, yes, but I'm guessing they're going to fight it. The judge also ordered a meeting or meetings scheduled to ensure the widest possible attendance during which a notice to employees and an explanation of rights will be read 
by CEO Howard Schultz, Senior VP of Operations Denise Nelson, or an NLRB agent. I guarantee you Howard Schultz is not going to read that. A video of the reading must also be distributed to workers electronically or by mail. In an emailed statement to Bloomberg, Starbucks said that, quote, we believe the decision and the remedies order are inappropriate given the record in this matter and are considering all options to obtain further legal review. Of course you are. Of course they're going to appeal it. The outlet noted that rulings mm -hmm. by NLRB judges can be appealed to labor board members in Washington and can be appealed in federal appeals court. The agency can order policies changed and workers reinstated, but lacks authority to hold executives personally liable or make companies pay punitive damages for violations. Nor can they actually make them open, right. reopen a new store. Meanwhile, again, meanwhile, Starbucks employees from, a, from the area and across the United States celebrated the quote-unquote historic ruling. Local organizer and barista Michael Sanabria declared that after waiting through months of stalling tactics and the slow wheel of justice turn, this will reinvigorate and re-energize the momentum of this movement. Well, I certainly hope he's right. Gary Bonadonna, that's a funny name, is a uh, manager of the Starbucks <laughs> Workers United Rochester Regional Joint Board, right, said that, quote, when workers launched their organizing campaign in the summer of 2021, we could never have imagined the length Starbucks would go to to try to stop employees from exercising their legal right to organize, unquote. Well, clearly you didn't understand Howard Schultz, you didn't understand Starbucks, and you didn't understand Wall Street and big business. So this guy I mean, says... Wait till we get to Gary Bonadonna III. Gary says that you this know? ruling proves that what we've been saying all along, Starbucks is the poster child of union busting in the United States, as is, as is Amazon. Quote, we are thrilled, yep. okay, that the, that the company is being held accountable for their actions and will continue to fight until every Starbucks worker wins the right to organize. Very flowery, very strong, but let's see what happens. The ruling came after dozens of white-collar well, Starbucks you workers. from Bonadonna, Belladonna? Right. What? So, um, dozens of white-collar workers on Wednesday endorsed a letter calling out the company for requiring them to return to the office and interfering with the unionization efforts at stores nationwide. Hmm. Also at Wednesday, on Wednesday, Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee Chair Bernie Sanders announced next week that the panel will vote on whether to subpoena Howard Schultz, who has refused to testify voluntarily. Tough day for Starbucks and its CEO. Of course. Right? And that's what More Perfect Union, which is Face mm -hmm. Shakir, who was Bernie's campaign manager, he started More Perfect Union after he left the campaign. Great outlet. They really are. Right. Um, they might want to consider not engaging in constant illegal union busting. And I actually grabbed a copy of the tweet that Starbucks Workers United had put out. Um, quote, in a historic decision, Administrative Law Judge Michael A. Rosas of the NLRB issued his 204-page decision finding Starbucks violated federal law, federal labor law, hundreds of times in Buffalo, New York alone. Um, and I, this was a whole thread. So instead of putting it out as tweets, I grabbed a thread reader. In the sweeping decision, he ordered several okay. rare remedies reserved for the most extreme cases, including reopening the uh, Buffalo store, Starbucks closed in retaliation for union activity, ordering them to bargain with the union at its Camp Road location even though the union lost the election there due to the irredeemable nature of Starbucks violations. These are more specifics about what happened. I love how those are like 
extreme measures. Like, you know? Well, extreme that a government agency um, is forcing a private company to do it, yes. That they have to reinstate seven workers I mean, that, that they illegally terminated in retaliation for their union activity. And yes. Their yeah, that's somehow extreme. Like, you yeah. know, again, requiring, seems like normal stuff to make a company do. Right. Requiring them to post you know? a 13-page notice of their violations in all of its stores in the U.S. for the duration of the national organizing campaign. Mm, I like that. Requiring them to post the same notice on all yeah. platforms it communicates with employees across the country, including text message, email, and its own intranet platforms. They've got to tell everyone. It's requiring him to be present for a notice reading. Okay. Now, I I didn't read that he has to be present. It could be him, an NLRB person, or a VP, and distributing a recording of the notice right. reading to all Starbucks employees paying dozens of Buffalo area workers back pay and consequential damages for Starbucks retaliatory actions. They didn't say that in a common dreams article. So I'm glad we read this, including cutting their hours, withholding promotions, denying transfer requests amongst a laundry list of other violations. So that's awesome. Um, shout out support solidarity with all our brothers and sisters over at Starbucks. Um, baristas are people too. And baristas are hard workers. They're fucking really hard workers, actually. And they put up with an inordinate amount of shit from the general public. So I give them a ton of credit and uh, and love. And Dave Burt, welcome. And thank you for hanging out over on uh, over on the Rockfins. And I love seeing you over in Savvy Shabs chat, too. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing your email whenever you decide to send one over. Um... Yeah, Mika did not know what to do with a true speaker. Baba Yaga, let's put that up. Uh, this is Joe and Mika. Oh, this Russell is... Russell Brand was on. Oh, was he? Something like that, I think. I oh, believe so. Awesome. Russell Brand. Awesome, awesome. Mastermind Russell Hour. Brand. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. As Jesse uh, loves to do his... Hi, everybody. Is Harry Carey or Will Ferrell nope. as Harry Carey? Yep. Do it. Um. All right, we got a couple more. Well, one, one more story, and it's a quick one. And it's a good one. Okay. We we like we like strikes. Okay. We like strikes. Mm -hmm. Workers Unite, absolutely. Anna Ringwald, Workers Unite. Wait, what's what's going on there with our little chat chat guy? Oh, that's good. No, we're good. Um, worker strikes. So up in 2022, I think anyone who watches this show would not be surprised or listens to this podcast would not be surprised by this number at all. Um, and, and by these statistics, but this is still pretty eye opening stuff. And it's always good to hear and to reinforce and give us ammunition to go at people who are saying that the worker movement is X, Y, Z, not move, not growing, et cetera. But Literally, record strikes in 2022. Strikes up 52%, according to a popular resistance story, Labor Action Tracker here. The ILR school database documents U.S. work stoppages. They inform journalists and policymakers, activists, scholars, and the public about labor activism and unrest. Awesome. So they break down by field and by sector where these work stoppages are happening. And it's fascinating to see 
I'm not going to leave this up for long and let you guys geek out on this. I'll I'll put the link in the, in the description. Uh, Look at after, this graph. This Look at this photograph. Yeah, now you're making me sing Nickelback. That's terrible. Um, Look at this graph. 424 total work stoppages, 417 strikes, and seven lockouts up from 279, <laughs> which is a 52% increase. Including involving 224,000 workers up from 140,000, which was a 60% increase. You had over 4 million, almost 4.5 million strike days measured during the duration of a strike multiplied by the approximate number of workers. Now, that was partially thrown off yep. by the Warrior Met coal, coal miner strike, of course, because that was throughout all of 2022. But Top industries by numbers of workers, educational services, healthcare, social assistance, manufacturing, there's your miners, retail trade and information. Yeah. So what what is this database? It's a it's a comprehensive database of work stoppages, the Cornell ILR Labor Action Tracker. Project began in 2021 and is led by Johnny Callis, who's a PhD this year, graduating this year. Uh, so he's this is his doctoral thesis at his doctoral project. To provide a fuller picture of worker activity to inform policymakers, the public, and others about workplace conflict. The data collection is unique to the ILR school, he said. Due to funding cuts by the Reagan administration in the 80s, the BLS excludes work stoppages of fewer than 1,000 workers from its database. But it's imperative to have reliable data on strike activity by union and non-union workers in stoppages of all sizes. Keep journalists, policymakers, activists, and scholars informed about labor activism and unrest across the United States. In addition to documenting whether a strike occurred, our tracker and annual reports provide detailed information on a number of variables pertaining to each action, such as industry, size, duration, and worker demands. That's really important stuff. Strike watch action alert. I love it, right? So they have a couple of these professors which said that the labor action tracker fills a vital gap in data on work stoppages in America that will be invaluable for research in this area. This is important information for policymakers. It's also important information for strike breakers. Um, the growth in strikes this year is noteworthy, particularly in schools and higher education institutions. We can talk a little bit about that. Uh, our friend Samantha over at the TUGSA, that's the Temple Union, uh, Temple University Grad Students Association, had sent me, they they did another protest and they had some bad weather. So the protest wasn't quite as well attended as the last one, but still really well attended. Although the administration did cut their health care in retaliation. Um, so Callis offered, authored the report with uh, Karen, Catherine Ritchie. So she's also still enrolled <clears throat> and associate <clears throat> professor Eli Friedman. So this is again, a little bit of a breakdown where what were the reasons and the demands most of them of course were overpay 234 of the work stoppages mm. were overpay but over 100 of them were over health and safety 77 were over over health care this is fascinating stuff and this list is not exhaustive, and a single work stoppage may have multiple demands, of course. But uh, see that you put Nickelback in Angel's head now. Um, additional 2022 yep. report 
findings include, and this one I thought was also really important to, to include, workers in the accommodation and food services industry organized more work stoppages in 2022 than any other industry, accounting for over a third of all events. However, these stoppages involved about 7,000 workers and only 3% of the total workers engaged in work stoppages because they have smaller staffs. The majority, 131 yep. of work stoppages in the accommodation and food services industry were led by Starbucks workers organizing within the Starbucks Workers United campaign or by fast food workers organizing within the Fight for 15 campaign. Most workers involved in work stoppages also came from the educational services industry, and we covered a couple of those teacher strikes and grad student strikes, including 48,000 grad students and postdoctoral workers at University of California system, which I remember we covered. Um, number also reflects continued activism by K-12 educators and higher education workers. Non-union workers organized a higher proportion of strikes in 2022. However, these strikes, of course, were smaller than work stoppages by unionized workers, mostly because they don't have the protection of a union. And many work stoppages in 2022, yep. almost half, lasted one day or less, and two-thirds lasted fewer than five days. Now, a bunch of those we also covered. Those were planned three-day stoppages, planned two-day work stoppages to prove to the bosses, we can do this to you. And this is what it means when we don't work. Yeah. Also important. But also to keep the lights on and keep them employed and working and, and, and having jobs and the company in business. The number of work stoppages and workers involved is less than the most recent comprehensive BLS data from the 1970s, which is also interesting. <clears throat> also, the number of workers engaged in work stoppages in the past two years falls behind the recent organizing upticks documented by the government in 2018 and 2019. Also interesting. According to this report, more research would help make historical comparisons that account for the challenges facing striking workers in the labor movement. Project methodology is documented in this article. Strike data are generated from existing work stoppage databases, news articles, social media posts, and other public sources, and then verified by the Cornell ILR Labor Action Research Team. This is funded by the ILR School, and yep. they can be followed on Twitter at ILR Labor Action, and I encourage everyone to do that. This is good stuff. Here's the bottom line. 424 work stoppages of with 417 were strikes. 224,000 workers involved. That sacrificed over 4 million strike days of hours that the bosses could have stolen from their labor, but that the, the laborers have held out on the bosses to show them this is... We have demands, and you guys are not meeting. Solidarity with workers, always. And you want to support workers? It's a merch. Merch, merchy, merch, merch. Mm -hmm. Do and it. I'm, and I'm, I'm all done with my stories, folks. Uh, this week, <laughs> well, first off, I, I want to give, send thoughts and you know, warm wishes out to everybody in the San Bernardino Mountains that's trapped under snow, and I hear that it's starting to snow again. Um, DJ Comatose, <laughs> other friends of ours, friends of the show. Yeah. You know, Mo 
Mona Carmona um, making it to the end. Hey, Mona, welcome. Good to see you. Love you. You gotta go back. Hope you're doing well. Mona, yep. you gotta go back. Yep. Now we gotta start all rewind. Over. No, no, we're just gonna start all go over back. and do the show for Mona again. Um, <laughs> okay. So, all right. Okay. So, let's see. Tuesday night. I don't know if we're doing a show with Jesse, but stay tuned. We're gonna tomorrow do tomorrow night. More. I'm on Misty. Oh, right. Tomorrow night, you're on um, Misty. And Crab's doing a stream at 8 o'clock tomorrow night on INN, uh, making fun of Marianne. That'll be fun. And then um, yeah. Wednesday, um, we'll have INN news with Wednesday Jose. night, Jose Vega is my birthday on that day as well. Um, And it's INN's 50th. <clears throat> so INN news is 50th, and but, 50th episode. <clears throat> yep. yep. Um, and um, Look out but, for I, I saw that Courtney and Keisha are are um gonna be on Misty's on Friday night as well on Bag Sisters, so check nice. that out. And yep. yeah, subscribe <clears throat> to Angel Joe. Everybody's doing stuff this week. Um indienews.network is of course where all the links are. Indieleft.media is is mine. And you go to innmerch.com and you can find all the merch stores and all the links and everything else that you need to find. Um, yep. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of exhausted. Kids wore me out this week and um, yep. I need a nap. So, so for, uh, for Indy here, I'm going to, I'm going to say keep questioning everyone's motivations like I always do. And, uh, and have a great keep night. Everybody. To what little birds have to tell you everyone. Good night. I think I liked it better being blind When I couldn't read between the lines And when I couldn't see the cracks in the structure That lay bare before me the whole time I think I liked it better back when I Suspended disbelief and swallowed pride I thought I knew the difference in the red from the blue But they both bleed us so dry both bleed us so dry My favorite songs don't hit the same way I get to the end of a four minute track And I'm only looking back thinking What did they actually say?